welcome to episode five of Creativity Conversations, where we explore the nature of creativity and why it's so important if you want to live a wonderful life. And my guest today is the lovely and talented Mary Schiller. Let me read you her bio. Mary is an independent author and coach who considers herself chief permission grantor. She enjoys helping people have the life and business they really want, the simpler, no-stress way. A native Californian, Mary now lives the happy laptop lifestyle. That's a tongue twister. I know. <laughs> <laughs> In Paris, France, with her husband, Jeff, and a mischievous cat named Starbuck. She holds two master's degrees, one in English and one in online education. Her daughter, Rachel, is her greatest role model. And you can find Mary online at www.maryshiller.com. Her books are available on Amazon worldwide. Thank you. <laughs> so welcome. It's so lovely to have you here. Thanks, Nina. And, you know, we talked a little bit before about um, what I emphasize on this program, which is that creativity is not just for artists and that it's innate in all of us. Most people don't know that. And I would love just from having known you the, for the time I have for you to share with us what you have discovered about creativity in your own life. Mm. So that's mm -hmm. kind of a big diving board, but yeah, no, it's let's good. do it and see what happens. Yeah, no, it's good because um, I didn't really understand much about creativity until... Gosh, I guess I really started looking at it differently around 2015, 2014, 2015, something like that, uh, when I began to have some conversations with a coach myself who had a very different view of it. And she was sharing with me, and now this is somebody who had been very successful in a, in a creative, typically creative realm. And, um, and so I was very interested to hear what she had to say about it. And she started to point out to me that really just the act of living is the act of creating. And that every single thing that's involved with being a human being is a creative moment. So everything from uh, making a cup of tea like I have here, you know, takes the ability to come up with the idea and then to execute on that idea. So uh, we talked about just everyday things like that being a reflection of people's creative, natural sort of creative force. Um, we talked about the fact that our cells are continually recreating themselves, <laughs> regenerating themselves. And so she and I had many, many conversations over, I don't know, a couple of years, I guess, on that topic. And we ended up uh, running a couple of programs together based on those ideas of helping people to see their uh, innate creative power in other forms, not just what we typically think of as creative, like artists, writers, etc. And so I have to give her credit because, her name is Sarah, I have to give her credit because I didn't really think of it that way until she and I started having all those amazing conversations about it. 
And so how has that changed your life? It's, it's actually changed it a lot in that um, I had spent my life in what you might call creative industries. Uh, I was, my undergrad was in music, so I was in that realm. And then professionally, I became a writer. I was a journalist, and then I went into copywriting and um, I also taught writing at, uni at the university level for many years. And I remember even back then when I was teaching the good old freshman composition courses, uh, trying to show my students that even if they didn't think of themselves as writers or as creative types, because most of them were engineering students. I was at a university that had a lot of engineering students. I kind of tried to show them that there was crossover. So even back then, I was kind of in the back of my mind it was there, but it didn't really come to the foreground until just a few years ago. And the way that I have been impacted by that is that I feel like I live every day now with much more ease because I know that anytime I need it, I have a creative solution to something. And because I've started to see that that's how we're made. We're just made to have creative solutions. We don't even have to work at it. An idea just pops into our head of something to do. And so I, I don't live my life anymore thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to search for an answer. I've got, you know, I just know that one will show up and I will have the option to follow it or wait for another one, <laughs> basically. And this coach that I was mentioning, she had a funny way of putting that. She was like, you know, we can just wait for the ideas to come and we can say, no, next, mm, next. And then, you know, just wait for one <laughs> that we like. And that's all part of the creative process too. So I find myself not very stressed anymore. Like if I'm facing something that looks challenging or difficult, I just kind of go, okay, well, I'm naturally creative. We're all naturally creative. I will know what to do. I will just, an answer will come to me and I'll, I'll do it. So I love that. Impact. Yeah, I love what you say because one of the things I've been seeing over and over is if you if you Google creativity on the web, there are tons of um, techniques. And what it says to me, I was just thinking about how this is a really big misunderstanding for people about the nature of creativity. Is that it's a it's a skill. It, mm -hmm. and it has to you there are things you can do to develop the skill rather than if you look behind that why is that possible it's because it's innate in us that capacity to have ideas to be mm -hmm. idea generators in ourselves mm -hmm. is we all have it but there are so many people who don't believe it because in fifth or sixth grade they're Teacher said, you can't draw, Mary. Exactly. That's probably true, actually. <laughs> but there's a huge, I think, aha when you realize, oh, I, I am an idea generator. Like, what's going in my tea this morning? What am I having for breakfast? What clothes am I wearing? Mm -hmm. That there yeah. is an infinite number of permutations of how that can be expressed. Mm -hmm. And yet people are so, I speak to so many people who say, I don't have a creative bone in my body. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's, it's unfortunate. And I, I feel like rather than focusing on that idea of developing one's creativity, I like to suggest that we observe it. So uh, one of my books, and I, I did a little program on it, it's called 14 Creations. And the idea was really simple. It was just bring something into form, anything, kind of in a, on a conscious level every day for 14 days in a row. And it was amazing what happened in that 14-day program where people started to recognize how creative they actually are every moment because they, they realized they're constantly creating constantly consciously and unconsciously stuff is always going on so i'm much more in the we don't need to develop it because we have an infinite amount of it let's just observe it and see what happens i have a, a story about this that i will um share i will not give any details away but i um had a dear client for a long time who has a child who has a severe disability and um, I had asked this client to observe the child's uh, creative ways of solving problems. And the client was like, I, I am not going to see anything. I, I, you know, that because of the severity of the child's disability, and it was an adult child at this point, she, they, they were like, there's no way I'm going <laughs> to be able to see any. I would have seen it by now. And I said, well, why don't you do that for like five days and then we'll come back and talk. And they were very like, sure they weren't going to see. Well, when we came back together, we both broke down in tears because they had observed this child who by all accounts is, you know, in not great shape. And they were like, I saw so many times every day when they were accessing something that was invisible to me, and barely visible on the surface. But once I started to pay attention, I saw them doing things. I saw them adjusting and, you know, and exercising these creative impulses. And it was an incredible moment because it really reinforced what, what seems to me to be the truth is that we all have this, even if it really looks like we don't, we, st we all do. So can you, can you make a connection between creativity and fun? Yeah, well, yes, <laughs> because when you start to observe how creative you are and you stop, you know, you stop thinking that you're not and you stop, you know, yeah, you just, when that whole part of it gets taken out of the equation, uh, life gets a lot lighter and you, you just start to, at least it has been this way for me, uh, you start to live each day with a lot more excitement. You know, now when I wake up every day, I'm really curious to see what will come through me in that way. What will come through me in this, from this creative force? You know, um, this conversation is a creation of that force amongst you and me and everyone else on here and everyone else listening. And so it, it sets up, it sets the stage for a really exciting way to live your life. And one that is constantly 
being renewed. Uh, I never have the same day twice <laughs> because I'm always looking for new ways that this is showing up. So that's really fun. So I know that that's your tagline to follow yeah, the fun. Follow the fun. <laughs> and I'd love you to talk about simplicity mm -hmm. in this package of creativity and fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because most people think that creativity is, you know, um, I think that Liz Gilbert refers to writing. She said, I, at one point, she said, I work like a farmer. And she's always tilling the proverbial soil. You know, she's getting in there and she's doing something every day. Mm -hmm. And I would love to hear your take on the simplicity of being creative. Mm hmm yeah, it's so interesting because I hear a lot of um, a lot of people, writers. I mean, since I'm a writer, I I look at what other writers say about writing, and and I don't have the same experience of that. I never have. Um, I have always seen the the act of creating something and putting it out there into form as something very liberating as something that doesn't feel like effort but feels more again like something is coming through me there is a poet whose name i'm forgetting right now a female poet who uh talked about how um she would have the sensation of a poem approaching like a storm, right? And she had to get to the paper really quickly and get, you know, that's kind of what it's like for me. And I find that whole process to sort of embody this notion of simplicity because it's so focused and so freeing. There is no complexity around that. There just isn't. And so, um, so I, I feel like all of this is really tied in together, at least for me, that's how it, how, the sensation of it is ease, simplicity. It's very easy to be focused. It's really fun uh, to see what we can, uh, you know, physically create and bring out into the world. And, you know, even with running my own business, I don't feel like I work I do things. It's not like I just sit here and, you know, with my twirling my thumbs, I do things, but it doesn't feel difficult. It's never felt hard. You know, I, I don't, I don't have that, that kind of sense of it at all. And so I really reject that whole conversation that, you know, things have to be difficult or they have to be hard work. I, I just don't buy it. So can you give us some examples of your experience when uh, you left a corporate job and you switched to working on your own and how um, this innate creativity showed up for you? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'll make this brief. So I was working for a big institution in New York City. I will not name the name of it. I'd been there for many years and I was just over it. I was like, I got to get out of here. And so I had an opportunity to go work for a really new startup that was in a field that I was interested in because it was related to publishing and, and writing and all that. So I was like, oh, that's good. 
So I went into, I left the big <coughs> institution and went into this small startup and pretty much immediately realized I'd made a terrible mistake. And I decided to stick it out and see if things would change for the better. And when it was obvious that they weren't going to, I was trying to figure out what to do. And um, I decided to go to the, the founder CEO and explain to him why I was not liking what was going on. Cause he had said to us specifically, you know, if you ever see me doing something wrong or, you know, that's going to make us look bad, please tell me. So I was like, well, so I told him and he fired me. <laughs> so whoops, <laughs> I guess he didn't actually mean what he was saying. Um, so that was kind of an unceremonious dumping of <laughs> me out into the street. And I won't bore you with the details, but let me just say, not that timing is ever good to be fired, but that particular timing was really rough. Just, I'm just going to say that. And I knew that I had to make some, uh, I had to make some decisions really quickly because I was, I really needed to earn some income. So I had this, uh, I went to my, that same coach I was talking about before. And I said to her, you know, I really don't want to go back to uh, being a copywriter. I'm just over it. I don't want to do it anymore. And I said, what I really want to do is coach people. <laughs> but I had no credentials, no coach training, no nothing. Uh, I had a little blog that I'd been doing for a few months. And I think I had about 150 subscribers on a list and she and I chatted and I was kind of freaking out and she was like, well, Mary, you know, what if it's actually easy for you to do that? You know, uh, she and I had been talking about this creativity up until then. She's like, what if, you know, you have all of the creative resources you need to just make this transition? No problem. And I was like, what? Really? You think so? And she's like, yeah, why not? And so that's exactly what I did. I just made a decision. And I said, okay, I'm now a coach. I'm going to tell everyone I know that I'm a coach. <laughs> I'm going to make up some offers that are priced in a way that will help me get the bills paid. And I'm just going to go. And that's pretty much what I've done ever since. <laughs> it's that same, that same kind of attitude. It's like, okay, I'm just going to do this. And, you know, well, just see what happens. And, um, you know, some things have worked, some things haven't worked so well, but it doesn't even matter because you always have, like I was saying before, you always have a new idea. You always have another way to try something, another way to help people, another way to talk about something. And, uh, yeah, so that's essentially what happened was I just made a decision and I went with it and I relied on all of that internal creative energy to help me. So... Uh, here's my question. How did you get past, if you had it at all, any thinking about, well, what if, and how do I, and how is it going to be received? And, you know, all yeah. the I didn't worry about any of it. I didn't care. I literally, and I still don't. <laughs> Those ideas never entered my mind. Not once. Not once. No. So for people nope. whose mind it does enter, <laughs> what would you say to them? Uh, I would say, well, there was, I'll, I'll give you um, what my coach told me one time when I was going to make a switcheroo in something I was doing in my business. 
And I asked her, I was like, well, how do you think I should, you know, tell people this? And she's like, just do it. She's like, you're not Oprah. Nobody gives a crap of what, <laughs> what you do. <laughs> Nobody's paying attention to you, Mary. I hate to bring it to you. But if you make this business change, it's not going to be on the cover of Newsweek, okay? <laughs> so that's what I now say to people. And I give that coach, I said, you're not Oprah. Nobody cares, you know we have all of these ideas that the world is paying attention to what we say. And for most of us, for 99.99% of us, that's not what's happening. So there is no risk involved. There's no, nothing at stake. I knew that if the coaching thing didn't work out somehow, like if I wasn't able to generate some income pretty quickly, I just knew that I would have other ways of doing that because we're creative beings and we always have a solution. And I'd always come up with solutions in the past when I run into that kind of situation. So I just didn't, it didn't even enter my mind, but that's what I would say is, you know, you're not Oprah, just go do, go do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was going to connect the dots here, I would say that you put figuring out figuring things out into the category of complexity mm -hmm. and it's not necessary. No, it's just not. So say more about that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's just such a natural part of human beings to know what to do that if we're looking at something that looks really complicated, we can just not go there. Like if something looks complicated to me, I just stop and go, mm -mm, no, that's, that's not right. I'm going to just wait a second and there will be something simpler that will show up. Um, because that to me seems like how we're made is this, you know, we, we, I don't know exactly how to say this, but it seems like human beings are really complicated, but to me, it doesn't appear that way anymore because we seem to function so perfectly and so beautifully that, you know, we don't even have to do that much. 90% of the effort, quote unquote, is done for us. We don't have to sit here and work at having new ideas because they just show up. You know, all that's expected of us is to take one tiny step forward. And then when we take that one tiny step forward, a hundred new solutions come to us. You know? <laughs> so it's not hard. And so whenever something starts to look hard, to me, I just, I just kind of wait and go, nah, eh, that's, that's not true. And I wait for the, the simple thing to show up instead. And so, um, and I think people, again, have a lot of assumptions, especially in business. I've been having this conversation with a few people that things have to be complicated and hard work and all this stuff. And that just has not been my experience at all now in four years as of retirement low for four years i have just not had that experience and so i think that um that we can relax essentially <clears throat> we can relax and just know that we have the answers and we we just know, we'll know what to do so what would you say to someone who says i just what if i don't have any answers I, I would say, I don't believe you. It's the same thing if somebody says, uh, if I ask the question, well, what do you, what do you really want to do? Oh, I don't know. And I always just say, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. We always know what to do. 
we always know what to do. The, the, the catch is that the, the answers that we're looking at, we have some thought around, oh, I can't do it. It's too scary or, or whatever. And, and none of that is true either. You know, I was just saying to someone this morning that every single time I have ventured into a new zone, like a new creative zone in my business, you know, and it looks kind of murky, like, Ooh, what am I, where am I going here? It's always beautiful on the other side of that. There's nothing scary over there. And so we just have a lot of ideas about these things, but that doesn't make it, make it true. And so, um, yeah, so I feel like there's just so much more room here and so much more freedom and so much spaciousness that we can enjoy. And when everything, when anything starts to feel sort of constricted or you feel like your creative energy is just being wrung out, you can just stop for a minute, <laughs> just stop and just go, okay, wait a minute. That is not me. That's not how I'm made. So let's just wait a second and see what, what shows up. So it sounds like a, an important part of, of observing or noticing is being aware of how you're feeling about something in any, any given moment. Mm -hmm. So if something is like you and I talked about this recently is that I was attempting to do something and it kept feeling like I was sinking into this black hole that I couldn't get out of. And it felt awful. It originally felt like a fun idea, but then it started to feel so way complicated. Mm -hmm that um, it took a little while to dig out of that hole until I realized I don't want to do something this complicated. But was it really complicated or was it just something that I made up was complicated? How do you know? Well, here, yeah, that's a great example. So where, where I have seen this play out for myself is in something similar, where I'll have an idea for something and the idea itself is really exciting and good. And then I might try to make it come into being in a certain way. And I'll realize as I'm going in a certain direction that I actually don't like it. Like I don't like the way that I'm bringing this into form and it won't feel like me. It feels like I'm trying to emulate somebody else. This has happened a few times in my business and I'll just go, Ooh, no, 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 no. I, and I just stop. I literally do this. I just sit and I wait and I go, okay. Uh, and sometimes I do a little exercise where I'll have a pen and paper and I'll go, all right, I want some new ideas to come to me now about how I can do this thing that aren't that way that I was trying. So what could I do? And then I just write down every single thing that pops into my head. The wackier, the better, because usually the wackier ideas are the ones that are the most interesting. And then I look at the list and I, I try another one. Or another little technique or whatever is I'll ask that question before I go to bed. I'm like, okay, when I wake up tomorrow, I would really love to have at least three new ideas for how I can bring this thing into being that's simpler and just a lot more fun than the way I was trying to do it. Okay. And then when I wake up in the morning, oftentimes either, this is really funny. Sometimes I'll have an email from someone that talks about the exact thing that I was looking for. That happened to me this week where I had a particular uh, business thing that I'd been trying to do and it was just looking really complicated to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I just can't go in that direction. Can't, I'm not going there. I need something simple. simple. And then two days ago I got an email about the exact 
thing with the exact answer. And I got so excited. I was like, whoa, isn't life cool? <laughs> Look at this. Somebody else created this just for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I just don't go into complexity. I just don't go there. And if I start to have that sensation, I just stop and wait and see what else comes to me. And there will be lots of other options. It sounds like you're, when that happens, it's like you're at, um, uh, a crossroads where the train is going across the road and the, um, I don't know what that arm is called that comes down and the, the bells start yeah. clanging. So you know you can't go forward or it'll be trouble. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened with this one particular business issue where I'd been looking at it for such a long time and feeling like I really want to change this, but I have literally no idea what to do at this point. And it looks really hard and I'm just going to stop. And then I saw this thing that came through my inbox. I went to the free uh, program, which was amazing. I was blown away by this woman teaching this particular topic. I immediately enrolled in her program and I started going through it last night while I was falling asleep. I was watching her videos just like, oh my God, this woman is a genius. And then today I was looking at it somewhere. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I feel like I've just won the lottery, you know? So it's just so interesting how, you know, if you're talking about creativity, about how we're all connected in this giant, you know, vat of creative stuff, you know, and it's all available to all of us all the time. And it doesn't necessarily have to come through you. It can come through someone else to you in that way. So uh, that was a really fun example of that. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> Tell me about why you like the moniker Chief Permission Granter <laughs> and how that's related to creativity. Yeah, you know, I wrote this book called You Have Permission and um, people really like that book. And I've talked about that topic a lot that, you know, so often we walk through life thinking that we, someone has to give us permission to do something or like we're waiting for someone to anoint us and say, okay, you are now qualified to do whatever it is. And so um, at a certain point, I just said to myself, well, if somebody needs someone to tell them they have permission, I'll do that. <laughs> so just, you know, tell me what you want to do. And I'll say, yes, you have permission to do that. And then just go do the thing. And uh, I think a lot of it relates to people's creative energy. It just kind of wants to come out of them. It wants to show itself, but there's so many, you know, cultural things that come into play and all kinds of stuff like that. And, uh, and so many times people, you know, worry, well, am I good enough? Am I this enough? And, and I just want to say, you're all of that and more, you don't need any anything and you do have permission to do what you want to do in life and to live the life that you want to and if you need someone to remind you of that you can ask me and i'll just grant you that at any time you want <laughs> use a, a wand or a scepter for that no just my hands <laughs> <laughs> it's like a little blessing that's right a little blessing here you go <laughs> One of the things that I've noticed people say is that um, when they're invited to be more creative, they come up with a whole host of reasons about why they can't. Mm -hmm. 
And I'd love you to share a little bit about your philosophy on how that's not a worthwhile area to pursue. Yeah, it has a lot to do with, um, with, I think what I was just saying about people have some idea that they're not allowed to. And so then it looks like they can't, um, or they, they see themselves as lacking something that they need. And a lot of the coaching that I've done over the years has really been focused on helping people to see their capability and to see, and that obviously goes along with their creative uh, energy too, you know, looking at their lives as one of capability instead of lack because people don't, people lack nothing. <laughs> they, they have everything. It's just that the way that a lot of us have grown up hasn't emphasized that. It's all often been pointing out what we appear to lack instead of showing us what we actually do have. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I think that a lot of people just really need someone to point that out to them. And so I never, um, if somebody, I mean, you've heard me say this, if I'm in conversation with someone and they say, oh, I'd love to do blah, 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 but I just cut them off right there and I go, uh-uh, no, whatever you were about to say is not true. So let's focus on the first part of that sentence and forget everything else. You know, you would love to do this. Okay, so what's the first step to doing that? What would you like to do today related to that? So I just don't even go there. And I know that frustrates people. But I don't care because I am not going into that zone of illusion and, and stuff that's not real. I'm going into what they actually are capable of doing. And that's what I focus on. So <laughs> that's just it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're reminding me of something which I think you've heard me share before, which is that um, quote in Steve Chandler's book from Steve Hardison, which is, when Steve Chandler would complain to Steve Hardison about some problem or other, Steve Hardison would say, okay, so given the situation as you described it, what would you like to create? Mm -hmm. So it takes the, the emphasis off of the so-called problem and puts it back on our own ability to create a solution. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I had another coach one time who said, um, she likes to look at things this way. If she's presented with something that looks like a challenge, she'll say, well, that's about a level three challenge, but luckily I'm a level five person. So no problem. <laughs> <You> <laughs> or if something looks like a level five, she'll go, that's okay. I'm a level 10. So no biggie. I got it. <laughs> that's great. So what I'm going to do is open the conversation up to anyone who has a question or a comment. And you can either go to the participants uh, box and raise your hand there, or you can just unmute yourself and jump into the conversation. Otherwise, Mary and I can talk forever. <laughs> Hi, Joanna. Hi, Mary. Um, it's it's really nice to to be part of this and and I'm writing down a lot of what you're saying but I'm glad it's recorded too since I missed the very beginning um, and I put two quotes in the um, chat because 
um, you're describing some things that I've heard of before, um, like the the synergy of getting emails, you know, while you're thinking about something. Reminds me so much of this quote, the big one um, that people attributed to Goita, but it's not Goita. But it is that once you commit, the universe brings all sorts of things basically to support you and to propel you forward. But um, when you were talking about simplicity, this that made me think of this. And you're right. I think we, we do think that things are complex. But my question is, I wanted to ask if there's any value, um, Nina and Mary, in being able to put the fears out there to acknowledge them. Because even if we focus with our coach or people that believe in us, at other times when we're by ourselves, we're going to come back to them. They still might be lurking. And so is there any value in putting things on the table and looking at them in the light of day to, um, to take them apart or to dispel them mm-hmm. as opposed to just focusing on what we want to do and trying to ignore that part of our psyche? Mm. Because there might be some relevance there that we should be paying attention to, but you're right. A lot of it is noise and fear. It's a lot of it is fear. Um, I know what I will say, if it's okay, Nina. Um, The reason why I don't give any attention to things like fear in that way, not fear of, you know, running and hitting a car or something, but, or being run over by a scooter here in Paris, but um, is that it's universal. There isn't a human being alive who doesn't have fearful thoughts and feelings come in uh, it seems to be a, a natural part of just how we're designed, especially if we're going to do something we haven't done before or, you know, all kinds of things. It just seems to be this universal phenomenon. And when I first discovered this about six years ago, I really felt such an immense relief because I had thought that my fears and all of that were personal to me. And that they were a problem that I had to dissect and look at. And that's what I'd been doing basically for 30 years is I had been trying to dissect my feelings like that and figure out what was wrong with me and all that. And when I realized that all of that was universal, you know, just each of us might have a slightly different version of it that shows up. I was like, well, if it's universal, that kind of just cancels it all out to me. So if it's not personal to me, why do I have to care about it? So I don't care about it anymore. I have lots of feelings of fear and all that stuff all the time. I just don't care. It's almost like a signal to me that I'm about to discover something new. So in many cases now, I'm like, bring it on. Come on, (laughs) bring it on. The fear, the resistance, that means I'm about to leap into some kind of new reality, some kind of new creative space that I can play in. So let's do it. You know, so I have no fear of fear. If anything, it's like a signal that something's shifting that is going to really show me something new. And so people think I'm a little nutty when I say things like that. So forgive me, but I don't dissect it. It looks just like a universal phenomenon and can sometimes show me that I'm about to see something really exciting. I want all the feelings. Let me just put it that way. Like, I don't want to get on my deathbed and feel like I tried to dissect or control my feelings because we wouldn't have them 
if we weren't supposed to. If we look at the simplicity of our design, we wouldn't have all these feelings if we weren't supposed to. We don't, you know, look at a tree and say it shouldn't have certain leaves on it. It has the leaves it's supposed to have. And so I really enjoy experiencing all of it. And uh, I would rather not dissect it and just love the entire ride. So that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> and I would just uh, tag on the back of that that we have all sorts of feelings, as Mary was saying, and that's how we're built. And the reason that we can pay less attention to the scary ones is because we have this incredible inner resilience, this ability to recognize when our thinking is coming from something that's happened in the past, but it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the present. That's true. <laughs> It's all based on the past. So this is a whole new moment. Why do I have to bring that in with me? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a very good encapsulation of what I realized six years ago, because you know I had been uh, dealing with all of these symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder from a, you know, a very um, scary first marriage. And what dawned on me was I hadn't seen him in like 10 years by that point. And I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> like he's not even in the room here. So why am I paying attention to this? Like that doesn't even make, it just suddenly didn't make sense to me anymore. And I realized that because I was giving it so much focus, I was causing my own suffering. So when I took the focus off of it and just started again, going back to this thing of observing and just started watching myself. It was like, wow, I have lots of feelings all day long and I don't have to say that one of them is good or bad or, you know, something I want or don't want. I can just kind of have the whole experience and it's all cool. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to, um, I don't have to dive into it anymore. And so, yeah, that was a big revelation for me. Is that helpful? Yeah, she's saying, yeah, I think she's okay. like, not muted, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're uh, unmuted. Yeah, she's muted right now. Okay, there yes, you go. that was helpful. <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, I think that's where we get stuck so frequently is that we keep hearing those voices in our head and, and paying attention to them as if they're really important and are going to show us something about ourselves, which may have been true 20 years ago, or <laughs> maybe it wasn't even then. <laughs> right, because we do embellish. Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, hi, Martin. Hello. Hi, Mary. Thank you for, for sharing that. Nina, thank you for, for having me on here. This was, uh, I, I definitely needed to hear a lot of this today, so I, I appreciate that. Um, my question for you, Mary, I, based on the way you were talking, you might not even, I don't even know if you know what this word means, but I would love to hear you talk about um, like dealing with the imposter syndrome. Uh, oh. I'm, what I'm hearing from you, like I said, I don't know if you even, <laughs> if you even experience that or know what that means, but I'd love to hear from, from okay. your. <laughs> I have heard the term, I have, um, but you're right. <laughs> I'm not 
not sure what it means because let's face it, if you heard the first part of what I was saying about how I just called myself a coach, like with nothing behind that, uh, obviously I must not have been experiencing that imposter syndrome or I wouldn't have, uh, have done that. Um, so uh, I can't really relate to that term. I, the only thing that I can really say about it is that, um, is that my sense of human beings in my now 59 years of, of observation is that human beings are capable of everything. And if we have any thinking about us not being you know, fully capable, then we can just like kind of wave at those as they go on by and say, hey, thanks for showing up, but you know, I'm going to go do this thing now and you can hang out here if you want and tell me that I can't, but I'm going to go do this. And so um, it just doesn't seem like a real thing to me. It seems like a collection of thoughts that many of us have. I mean, I'm probably, I've probably had some thoughts like that in the past. I just don't remember them and they are not in front of my face all the time. But even if they were, again, I would just kind of wave them and go, yeah, you don't know who you're talking to. So I'm just going to, you know, I often say that those thoughts don't know who they're talking to because I'm, I'm the power here. I'm the power, not, not that, you know. So that pro probably was not a helpful answer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think it was a helpful answer because okay. <laughs> I, I what what's interesting is when when someone tells me what to do, I usually don't like to listen to them. <laughs> like I I'm just like okay, I'm gonna just go do that anyway, even though you know like you know when my mom used to tell me you know oh like don't you know don't drink or do I'm like all right well now I definitely want to go drink. <laughs> Uh, but for some reason, when it's myself saying it, like, oh, don't do this. I'm like, oh, okay, that, that probably makes sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it has more authority because it's coming from your own head, right? Yeah, exactly. Although I have noticed that I do hear my parents in my head <laughs> frequently still. <laughs> I don't think that's ever going to go away. Um, but yeah, you're right. It does seem to carry some weight when you listen to that. That's why. Okay, um, this is something that a lot of people laugh at again, but I often say second thoughts are really not worth listening to because if you've had a thought more than once, it's old, it's done. You can, you can just ignore it because it seems to me that we're designed to hear new ideas and the old ones, we don't need to listen to them anymore. They're old. Sometimes they come around with a little bit of a sparkle around them again. That's happened to me before where I think, yeah, I've had that idea before, but it didn't really interest me. But now it does. That's worth listening to. But those ones that are like, eh, you can't do it. Who needs that? You know, there's nothing wrong with them. They're not harming us. They're just not all that interesting. Like I'd rather go towards what's interesting than spend time analyzing stuff. So, yeah. The other thing I'd say, Martin, about being an imposter is that in some ways we're all imposters because where our ideas come from is not from the, the mental database. You know, it's coming from that source that we're made of. And if we are looking to that and pointing to that in, in other people, then we're not imposters. We're just 
we're just looking in a different direction and we're not attributing it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot more freeing because then it's not about me. (laughs) It's about the thing that has all the ideas and has all the possibilities and all the wisdom and all the intelligence. Mm -hmm. The big me. The big me. (laughs) Right. Little me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I also think that, uh, and this has been on my mind a lot recently, is that um, everything we experience, everything, and I mean, I'm including every single thing, is all a vehicle to understanding what we are. That's it. So whether tomorrow I wake up and decide I don't want to be a coach anymore, I want to go write novels, then novel writing is my new vehicle for discovering more about myself. So the what, this, I'm trying to kind of relate this to the imposter thing, the what that we do, to me, doesn't really even matter that much. I mean, and not counting hurting people, that, that's not what I'm talking about, but, but the, the thing that we do with ourselves all day long is a creative expression that allows us to see more about our capital S big self. And so that also relieves a lot of pressure for me because I don't, the things that I do, the actual things, they're exciting and fun, but I'm seeing them much more nowadays from this angle of what am I seeing from this? What am I discovering? You know, the self discovery piece. And that has really changed the way that I live every day, honestly. So even things like um, dealing with French bureaucracy, which we have to do from time to time, is another vehicle for self-discovery. What can I see about myself through this process? So, yeah. (laughs) So, Mary, are you... I'm, I'm wondering if there's a distinction between what you're saying about what you are seeing mm-hmm. and what people often say is that there's a lesson to be learned in this. Oh, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, that sounds like what a parent might say, you know. <laughs> I'm a parent, so I'm sure I did say that a few times. But um, no, I'm talking about um, much, and it's so funny because I don't think of myself as a spiritual person uh, at all, really. Uh, But I do feel like there is something about human beings that I want to see more of, and that's what I'm looking for in pretty much everything that I do, uh, you know, that's my ultimate focus is what can I discover? Not a lesson to be learned, but more about, it's, it's like the difference between somebody saying, oh, that was a good life lesson versus an explorer, you know, who's going into unknown territory. That's more how I feel like I'm living. And I find that an incredibly exciting way to live. And I do hope that by the time I'm at the end of my physical journey, I will feel like I have really been on a major trek. (laughs) I want to be tuckered out by that point. (laughs) I will have discovered so many things. 
That sounds so much more fun than being in the mode of, oh, this situation sucks. I better learn something from it (laughs) so I don't repeat it again. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's Uh, so much of what I see is part of the whole self help personal growth movement is that in and even and a lot of spiritual cir- circumstances we're here to learn lessons but that sounds a little bit punitive to me it does to me too it sounds negative and it sounds or you know everything happens for a reason there's a reason this happened you have to there's something you're supposed to learn from it that kind of thing you know if i look back on my my actual life, you know, I could point to some things and go, really? Like, what lesson was I supposed to learn from being in a severely abusive marriage? Like, what, what lesson was, you know, and that is not, that does not seem helpful or even real. It seems uh, kind of like a, oh, how do I want to say this nicely? I'll say, I'll just say it with someone. It seems a little bit like a cop-out. Um, where I'm really looking at a much bigger picture, I feel like, than that. Mm-hmm. And um, and again, coming from someone who doesn't see as myself as spiritual, it kind of sounds like I I am. So maybe just I am. without the trappings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. I don't. You know, I'm not in a religion, and I don't follow any any spiritual leaders or anything like that. But maybe that's how I'm actually kind of just living. Well, it sounds like it because from everything you've been describing today, you're looking to create something out of, create, put something into form from the formless. Yeah. So if that isn't spiritual, I'm not sure what is. That's true. (laughs) That's true. And, you know, I like to see every day what this creative force uh, gives me. And not just me, but like gives to me, you know, gives from me and gives to me. Uh, and um, I look at every, every single aspect of life from this creative angle. You know, I went out for a walk today and I, I often have the sensation when I'm on a walk here, like, oh, I wonder what kind of experience is going to get created today. Hmm, let's see. You know, today I have to find a new ice cream place. Oh. Uh, so that was good. I didn't try it though because um, I decided to save it for the weekend. But anyway, I'd already been to the bakery. I'd already, yeah, I'd already had a few sweets. It's so hard here to not eat that stuff. <laughs> and gosh, I'm surprised I don't weigh like 500 pounds. Um, but anyway, so I I feel like when you start to just see life from this creative perspective, that everything is a creation and everything is a creative experience. Uh, even the things that we might label as difficult or challenging, like grief or things like that, they start to take on a very different hue, a very, very different hue. And I'm not saying that those things get easier, but they just change. They just change. Something changes about them. And how does that change you? Mm. Or change your life? Yeah, I think that the the thing that has shifted for me is that um, is that even during those times that are 
difficult, like if you lose someone, that even with that, there is an underlying sense of uh, joy and happiness all the time that is not, that doesn't ever have the sense that's being snuffed out by any feeling. And so, you know, and I've definitely gone through some losses since I kind of had the shift in perspective. And it's been very interesting to contrast those losses with the ones that I experienced prior to this change in perspective and how different they've been. So that's been a big change. Boy, that's a great reason to give yourself permission to keep going in that direction. Yeah, more right. More joy, more fun. Yeah. I mean, I remember, um, I can share one really uh, poignant experience of this where I literally in real time saw an experience being created and it's one of the most poignant moments of my entire life. Uh, so I'll, I'll make it brief because I know we're almost out of time. But uh, at one point, uh, my daughter was living with us for a bit in New York. We were living there. And she was staying with us to do some um, research for her doctorate. And she, we, my husband and I had just left to go to dinner with a friend and she called and she said, I'm having a major medical problem. I need you to come home right now. And I need you to help me to decide if I need to go to the hospital. So we went right straight back home, like five minutes. I took one look at her and I was like, we got to go to the ER, like immediately, like right now. We get to the ER they take one look at her and don't even bother with the paperwork. They're just like, come back right now. <laughs> so we go back and, and the doctor uh, looks at her and he basically says, well, it could be nothing or it could be something really bad. And so we, which we kind of knew, I don't want to go into the details, but she was having a symptom that was very serious. And so she and I went to wait to get a, a CAT scan or some kind of scan of her uh, head. And when we were waiting for her turn, uh, I had the weirdest experience with her, and she did too, where I was literally watching this experience get created, where I had this overwhelming fear. I mean, like fear and grief, and I mean, I can't even describe the intensity of it. I was crying, she was crying. It was really tense because it was like, well, we're going to find out in a few minutes whether you're going to live or not. And, um, and we were very upset. And yet, in the midst of all of that, she and I had the most incredibly beautiful conversation that we have ever had where we were totally calm, totally peaceful. And it was like I could see these two halves of ourselves like existing at the same time and this amazing, um, just this power there. It was incredible. I've never felt anything like it to the point where I wasn't even sure if we were speaking out loud anymore. It, it was almost like we were just creating this moment between us and I was like, are we even talking? And then it kind of, we kind of stopped talking and there was only one other person in the entire area and all she said to us was, gosh, that was so beautiful. That was so beautiful, she said. And I just remember having this sense of, wow, no matter what this test turns out like, it's all, it's going to be fine. It's mm -hmm. going to be fine. Now, fortunately, it turned out that it wasn't the scary thing 
but that's a moment that was so powerful that showed me talk about a moment of self-discovery and of seeing something being created in real time. I'll never forget it. What a story. Yeah. It was powerful. And what a, what a tremendous gift from being willing to be a discoverer rather than a lesson learner. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally what I got from that experience was the power of looking at things from that perspective and seeing ourselves as human and as something more than that, however you want to describe that. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. It's a lovely way to bring our conversation around. (laughs) So Mary, where can people find you if they want to know more about what you do and how you do it? Yeah, they can find me on my website, which is my name, maryshillerwhoops.com, S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R. And you can also, okay, keep moving my camera. Uh, You can also find my books on Amazon. Um, I have 11 of them on there. So um, you can just do a search and you'll find me there as well. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Thanks everybody. It was fun. Mm -hmm.